Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to the dog show with Julie Forbes. The day before the first day of fall, it's gorgeous here in Seattle. I'd say a spectacular day to take your dog for a walk. One of the finest. I'm a fall girl. I'm from New England. And our guest today is, uh, one of our guests today is calling us from Vermont. Um, She's on the phone. She's actually um, a college friend we played field hockey together for a couple years, and she contacted me a few weeks ago and asked if I had any tips for her as uh, she and her family were bringing home a, uh, they were adopting a dog from a rescue. And I thought, well, that'd be a great show because lots of people adopt dogs from rescue organizations or shelters. And there's a lot to talk about as far as how to set those dogs up for success and help them adjust and all that good stuff. And then um, the story actually took a, a bit of a bad turn, a real sharp bad turn, actually. And so we're not going to be talking about that. But I still have Lucinda on the phone with me from um, Vermont. Lou, welcome Hi. to the... Hey. <laughs> so are you in Vermont? Yes? I am in Vermont, yeah. Oh, how nice. It's beautiful. I it's actually know. not. It's the, Summer is going out with a bang because it's about 77 degrees and sunny and beautiful. And the leaves haven't quite started turning, but it's definitely almost fall. Yeah. Well, we're going to, yeah. I'm actually going to be visiting Burlington um, in a few weeks. I haven't been in years. Oh, perfect time of year to be there. You know that. I know, I know. So exciting. Yeah. So thanks for uh, still agreeing to talk with me today, because as I said a moment ago, our our original intention of having you on the show um, changed, unfortunately, because you the dog who you were sent home with ended up being aggressive and you had you had a (laughs) to say the least. Yeah. So I'm curious. I'm curious to know what. I know that you had been in communication with this rescue group for at least a few weeks because you had contacted me and you were like, well, I don't know what day we're taking him home. It's, you know, so had you met the dog prior to taking him home? No, we weren't given that option. And before I contacted you, we had been in contact with somebody uh, with the organization or somebody from the organization for about two and a half weeks at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So we had been going through like initial stages of interviews and all of the um, the reference checks and the woman that I spoke or was speaking to and um, had contact with by email and text was fantastic. Very informative. Um, I did ask if we could meet the dog, but because the dog was in New York City, that was not an option for us. Mm-hmm. So you so, had asked to meet the dog, but they were like, no, this dog who you're interested in is is out of state. And so were they going to like be having somebody drive him up or did you meet them halfway or how did that go? So they were, um, thankfully, I did not meet them halfway. Thankfully, they were bringing them him to us. And we had seen videos of him. Uh, I had talked to the volunteer that had been working with him. The video seemed like he was a really a couple of videos that seemed like he was a very, you know, 
sweet dog. And um, what were know, the videos? Of course, what was he doing in the um, videos? He was sitting with a, um, another person, and they were rubbing his belly. There were a couple of videos of him in like a, a larger kind of kennel outside, where he was just kind of walking around. Um, you know, I asked that we have children, and so I asked the specific questions of has he been around children, and supposedly he had come from a family that had children. And I said, has, you know, he had contact with children since? And there, that was the first, you know, that was the first question that wasn't answered immediately to me. It was, like, well, no, he hasn't had contact with um, children. You know, they've potentially walked by him at the kennel. But uh, when they do walk by, he doesn't give them the time of day. So, um, you know, I felt like I asked all the questions. And so we got to the point where once we got approved, you know, somebody came to our house to to check that our house was okay and to meet us. And once we got approved, they um, decided that, you know, they did a transport from New York to just outside of New York City. And another question I asked was, is this a one-day process? This is a long period of time. Do you break it up into two or three days? And they said, no, no, all we do is have, um, you know, three to five different cars that break up the trip so that it's less stressful for the dog. And I, I, that seemed a little bit odd to me, but I trusted this, I trusted because it was coming from a rescue organization, and everything seemed legit. So at the time, he was supposed to be delivered directly to our home, and um, because it was a little bit later and some other circumstances, they asked me to meet the last. Um, transporter in White River, which is only about 20 minutes from our home. Mm -hmm. So at about 7.30 that night, quarter of 8 on um, on Wednesday night or Thursday night, I can't even remember at this point in time, uh, I met her in a public place and he was in the the back of a car in a kennel and um, I had an unfortunate uh, medical circumstance with a family member, so I was actually coming from the hospital and didn't have our, our crate in the car, but had talked to numerous people and said, hey, listen, I don't have a crate. Is it going to be able to be transported in the car? Will that be okay? And they said, yeah, absolutely. That's not a big deal. But, you know, we don't always use crates. It's just up to the transporter. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was fine. Um, so I met him, and they told me that he was a 40-pound dog that was, you know, um, very sweet, and, and he was, be- I mean, he's a beautiful dog. So when you can imagine how excited we were. So um, got him on a leash to take him out of the car, and he was probably about um, a 55-pound 50, dog of pure, solid muscle uh, that when I first, when he first stepped away from me, like literally it took, everything for me to get him to just stop. And I just was talking to him and he finally just sat down and we went over and we talked to him and he seemed all right. So, Um, so let's just, so from my perspective and just trying, I mean, the purpose of this conversation is not to evaluate his behavior, but I am going to do that a little bit because it's what I do. Um, So when you, so you met the person and he was still in the kennel when, And then they uh, took it. So you showed up, talked with the person. They went, let him out of the kennel, and then just immediately handed the leash over to you. And what yes. did he do? It handed me the leash while he was still in the car. Still in the kennel? Yes. 
Okay. And then you were like, come on, let's go, and called him to come out of the kennel. And- um, I actually just kind of was standing in front of the door holding the leash, and I was talking to him because I didn't want all of a sudden him to be with a complete stranger because he'd been with plenty that day. Yeah. So I was talking to him, and he stayed in the kennel. He didn't, didn't jump right out of the kennel. He just listened to me, and then um, I just moved to say, you know, to get him out of the car because I figured he needed to, you know, go to the bathroom and get stretch his legs. And he jumped, like, he just bound out of the car. Um, and it, it was basically what happened, like, at that point in time, the transporter kind of was, like, completely hands-off. Mm-hmm. And was nervous because we were in a busy spot, and it was, you know, I had him, but there were, like, cars everywhere. And I was like, well, of course there are cars. This is a public place. This is where you asked me to meet you. Um, so I let him walk around for a little while. After a couple of minutes, he stopped, like, tugging really hard on the, on the lead and um, and then he sat down in the parking lot and I talked to the transporter and I talked to him and I was, you know, scratching his head and he seemed okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I put him in my car to take him home. Mm-hmm. And, front um, seat or back seat? Front seat. Okay. Um, I tried to put him in the back seat. He didn't want anything to do with the back seat. Okay. So I opened the door and he immediately jumped in the front seat. Like it was so straight. Like I opened the back door and was like, okay, come on, buddy. And he wouldn't even budge. Open the front door and right in he went. Okay. Um, Sat on the front seat and I didn't leave right away. I I wanted him to, you know, smell the car and get comfortable and um, turn the car on and, and, you know, probably sat for about a little over five minutes and talked to him and, you know, scratched his head and, and, he laid down on the seat, and um, and then we started our journey home, which, like I said, was about um, twenty minutes. It's about twenty minutes from our home, and you know, I took my time because I didn't, I didn't want, um, I didn't want anything. I, I just wanted to take my time. I wanted to be cautious. I guess the first time that I felt a little uncomfortable with him was I noticed that he wasn't looking at me, like he would not look at me at all. Um, and I had my arm on the console, the center console, and he kind of turned and he nudged my hand with his nose. So I, you know, I started to pet him, but then he would turn and he would like, you know, put his, his mouth around my, my hand. And so what I had asked oh, when you getting would, him. When you would pet him, you would put his mouth around your hand? Yeah, so he would turn and, and it wasn't like biting. Yeah. It was just like he'd open his mouth and he'd put his mouth around my hand. Mm-hmm. So... I just, I, I asked before I took him from everybody, I was like, you, what do, how do you, how have you been training him? And they said, all you have to do is say no. And, um, and he immediately will stop. He listens really well. So I just, that didn't make me comfortable. I don't, I didn't, I've never liked the dog's mouth on my arms or hands or anything. So I just said no. And he would stop and he put his head down on the seat. So, um, but like I said, like, no, would never look at me directly. Uh, one time he kind of turned his head and he kind of looked at me out of the corner of his eye. And that was where I was like, whoa, that's really weird. I've never had a dog do that. Uh, pulled in the driveway of my home and uh, let him smell a new collar because the collar and leash that they had given to me was frayed and I didn't want him to break it. And um, put the collar next to him. He smelled it, laid down. I moved the collar just a little bit, didn't want to you know, overwhelm him. And turned to talk to my mom, who was outside of the vehicle, and 
uh, felt him move and turned, and he was coming. He was coming right at my head mm-hmm. uh, with a very aggressive bark and growl. Mm-hmm. And I pushed him off of me. And when I pushed him off of me, he bit my arm. Um, and I pushed him off and I said no. And I went to open the door to get out. I was trying to stay very calm. I was talking to him and, and I, and my mom was outside the car talking to him. Just try to stay calm. And he crawled across my lap, which I was not comfortable with at all because I now felt like, oh my gosh, this dog has just now trapped me. But he seemed very submissive at that time. So he crawled across his lap and he put his head down on, on my lap and he put his head down on my lap. And um, I put my arm down on him and he, and he backed off. And he walked across the, he backed up across the console and as soon as he got to the passenger seat again, he lunged at me again. Sorry, this is Sorry. one of the first times I'm really talking about it. Yeah. And I put my arm up and he bit my arm. Mm-hmm. And um, I unfortunately had to, you know, hit him off of me and he bit my other arm. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the free arm, I was able to open the door and get out and just kind of hit him off as he was coming at me. And uh, I called the rescue agency. I tried to call the president. I tried to call another woman that, that worked for them, and I tried to call the volunteer, and I couldn't get through. I finally got through to this woman, um, one of the women, and... I told her what she was so excited that I was calling her. And I said, I had to say, you need to stop talking for a second. I need to tell you things are not good. Mm-hmm. And she got very negative toward me and said, what are you talking about? Things aren't good. What have you done? And I was like, what you, I have done nothing. I've just gotten him home. And he attacked me twice in the car. And she said, I don't think that's possible. And she said, what did you do to provoke it? And we went, we jumped through hoops and climbed over mountains to get you that dog. You need to keep this dog. And I was like, whoa, this is so not what I was expecting her to say. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing happened with the volunteer that I'd been working with and that she said she was working with him. Um, she was very much like pointing the finger at me and saying that I've done something wrong. Meanwhile, when I would walk outside, the dog was still in my car, and he would hit the windows and bark and, like, aggressively bark and aggressively growl and show his teeth. Um, a friend, a very a very dear friend of mine had to come over. They told me that I should go to the neighbor's house and knock on the door and say, just got a dog that attacked me twice. I can't go near him. Can you get him out of my car for me? And I was like, I'm not going to put someone in that position. Mm-hmm. This is a dangerous dog. So it ended up that after calling like local authorities who there were none that would were willing to help me, um, a very dear friend of mine came over in heavy clothing and leather and got him out of the car. And as soon as he got him out of the car and started walking him, he turned on him. Fortunately, he had him, you know, close enough by the collar. We got him into a kennel um, in the house and the only thing that I can say is all hell broke loose and the dog literally started to lose his mind Mm. and, um, and it just continued. So I finally called the volunteer and I, cause what she said is you'll see that once you get hit, somebody else gets him out of the car 
and you give him some rest time in the kennel, that he's not going to be like that toward anybody else, that, that you've just provoked him in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm sorry, this dog is not welcome in our home. I have children. I have neighbors that have dogs and children. And he has, and I called back to say, hey, listen, he turned on my friend as well. Uh, so they sent somebody, an emergency rescuer, to get him. She showed up at 3 o'clock in the morning at my house. And she walked right by me and walked right into the house and it didn't really say anything to me, which I thought was really odd, and dropped a cookie in the kennel and was like, oh, great. And she started talking to him and went to drop another one, and the same behavior uh, came across. Now, was that the and video he, that I saw? Was that the when she was dropping those dry yeah. cookies in the... Yeah. Yep. So that was what I saw. Yeah. So you had so, sent me, uh, Lucinda sent me a couple videos um, at that were taken at that point where this person from the emergency rescue person from the organization showed up and was trying to get him out of the kennel and, and he was um, lashing out in a similar way to her. And continued to get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like, that was only part of it. So this happened, this went on for an, over an hour where she was trying to get him, you know, we got the kennel out, barely got the kennel out of the house onto the patio. And she was like, I can't, I can't take him out of this kennel and put him in mine. Can I just take your kennel? And I said, absolutely. And I told her at that point, I said, I'm sorry, I don't feel comfortable even putting him in your hands. I feel like I'm putting you in danger at this point. And um, she's like, I've done this a hundred times more than that. I, this is like part of my life, but I do have to say that he's the most aggressive dog I've ever come into contact with. Mm-hmm. And so she, she put a blanket over the kennel thinking that that would ease his mind and um, nothing worked. And so she finally just said, I'm sorry, I can't take him. And um, it ended up that a specialized trainer is what I was told had to, had to come to my home the next morning and arrived at 9 a.m. the next morning with, like, special gear, protective gear for her body, um, including a headpiece. And um, he had the same behavior toward her. And when she finally was able to get him to a point that she knew she could get him out of the kennel, which I, I refused to watch. I couldn't even look at the dog any longer. My parents had been there, and she turned and looked, and she said, you two need to go in the house now. And... Um, I left. I I'm, I just couldn't I couldn't handle it anymore, and I needed to go to a loved one who was in need, and mm-hmm. um, and I drove down the road. And I have not heard from the rescue organization. I've not heard from the volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that what was told from what I was told from the initial emergency rescue person that she the phone call that she got. Um, she was told that a beginner's mistake put a dog in danger and they needed to get him out of my presence as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So that is my story that unfortunately what we thought was going to be a wonderful experience of giving a dog a new home mm-hmm. has um, terrified me, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I don't want, I know this happens all over, but when you asked me to come on to talk about it, I felt like if it was, you know, something that I could do to make more people aware or to help you make more people aware, mm-hmm. I think it's really important because um, by the grace of whoever was looking out for me, I got out of my car. 
Yeah. And it didn't happen on the 20 minute ride home when it could have. Right. So, you know, you unfortunately look at all those what ifs and. Sure. Um, and did yeah. you, did you end up with um, any puncture wounds? Well, so I didn't because I had, um, I was cold. Yeah. I had four uh, long sleeve shirts on. I know that sounds so silly. And the sweatshirt that I had on the top was a thick sweatshirt. Okay. Um, I had no puncture wounds. What I did ha- end up with was um, a scratch and um, a pretty good sized bruise on my knee from him. Okay. Um, other than that, I just soreness. Like I definitely there was yeah. a, um, a couple of bruises on my arms and soreness yeah. um, from you know I don't know if it was from me hitting him off of me or or the biting. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, no, no puncture wounds. I'm thankful for that. I'm thank I'm so thankful that it it was not more severe than sure than it was. Yeah. So when uh, when you pulled up and you started talking to your mom, was that when he went off? No, no. My mom had been standing outside of the, the car. I mean, he, she said hi to him, and um, he okay. didn't even, you know, he kind of gave her the time of day, but didn't really acknowledge her. It was no big deal. She gave me the collar, and she kind of walked, you know, walked away a little bit, but was still talking to me and talking to him. And um, and it was about, like I said, about five minutes after that. And was it, what, did he go off... Um... Uh, do you remember what what the last thing I think you said you had looked you weren't looking at him when like you had turned to talk to your mom again and then you yeah okay. so I had laid the collar next to him to let him smell it okay and he smelled it and laid down so I just put it on the seat next to him because I wasn't going to just put it around him I wanted him to smell it I wanted to make sure that he was comfortable with it um and so I left it there and I turned to say to my say something to my mom I don't even remember what I was going to say to my mom and I felt like the car move, you know, just this jerk of, you know, a, a different sense of energy in the car, a different yeah. movement that, yeah. and that's what made me turn. So I wasn't looking at him. I wasn't talking to him at all. So it's, um, there, I think, first of all, I'm so sorry that this happened. Mm, thank you. You know, I mean, I'm sorry that this, you know, would happen to anybody, but I obviously know you and, you know, I can, as you're running me through it, I'm picturing you going through all of this and, and that we had been in communication actually, and you were so excited and that we were going to do this show about your new dog and how to help him adjust and how, you know, blah, 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 like all that kind of stuff. And then you were like, cancel the interview. And then I was like, well, will you still come on the show and share your story? And the point of this for me is not to scare anybody away from uh, rescuing, adopting a dog. This is a very, very strange, I have never heard a story quite like this. And the aggression does not make sense to me. So... You know, and I work with aggressive dogs and have for years. And I called a colleague of mine who has been working with dogs probably twice as long as I have been and is a a specialist in aggression in the area. And I talked with her and told her what I knew, too. And she was kind of in agreement with me, like, well, there's a lot that we don't know. You know, we were both basing this sort of our trying to make sense of it based off of very little information and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
And then after you're describing more detail to me, it's I'm still in that same place of that it really just doesn't make sense. And I think he just snapped. He had been, uh, he may not, they may not have seen any aggression from him. I know one of the things that somebody told you was that uh, one of the women from the rescue, one of the representatives from the rescue has a reputation for placing aggressive dogs. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so what I found out from the, um, the, the emergency rescue person that came actually does not work for that, this organization. They, she's just on a list of people and um, that they could call. And so she came to my house and, and when she walked out of the door after he went got aggressive and she was like, what is this? And I said, do you know why you're here? And she was like, I was, that's when she told me, I was told that a beginner's mistake put a dog in danger. And I said, no, no, no. And I gave her that story and she was like, what? So they didn't tell her what happened. Yeah. And then um, she asked me, about names, and I told her, and as soon as I told her one of the names, she was like, oh, my gosh, that woman is known for taking aggressive dogs out of high-kill shelters and placing them in, in homes before they've been properly trained. Mm-hmm. Um, and we tried, to, the, we tried to call her. We tried to call the president of the um, rescue organization, and we tried to call the volunteer that I'd been in contact with for about a half an hour, and nobody was answering their phone. And granted, I know it was 3 o'clock in the morning, but you would think if they were all amped up about, you know, getting the dog away, that they would have been there to listen or call, answer a phone call. Mm-hmm. And um, and when they finally did call, and the... Sorry, there's a helicopter going over. All right. My apologies. Um, when she finally did talk to her and, and the rescue person said, like, I've never seen this before. I don't know what, what's going on. Um, you know, that they just kept asking. I could tell by the way she was answering that they were asking questions about me. And the rescue person was like, no, she doesn't. No, she didn't. Like, you know, so right. it was just all a very strange, yeah, um, very strange. And I can tell you one other thing, that the trainer who came to get the dog the next morning, when she got out of the car, I talked to her very briefly. I thanked her for coming um, because she dropped her world to come get him and and I, um, she apologized to me immediately for what was going on. And I just asked her, I said, I, all I've been told is that I, I'm in the wrong, that I've done something wrong. And she stopped and she looked at me and she said, if he did this to you in the car, there's nothing wrong with you. This dog has aggressive issues. This, is, this has happened before he got here. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was told. And, and not that that makes me feel better, but, um, yeah, just. Yeah. Well, it's I guess the lack of support was yeah. one thing that really blew my mind. Well, yeah. I mean, to put the blame on you is just ridiculous. There's I mean, any so it, kind of looking at the behavior and and he, he clearly he was either triggered by something or my sense for it and again, I don't know. I'm basing this off of very little information over the phone across the country. But that he right. he just snapped. I mean, clearly snapped. The dog had been uh, handed over several times, car to car to car, coming from a shelter or or a foster home, um, and had been there for however long, you know. And and it's just it's stress. It's so so stressful for dogs to go through that. 
And that does not mean that his aggression makes sense. It's just sort of understanding why this individual who has had that tendency in him genetically or had had past experience that messed him up. So for whatever, whatever, whatever the source of the aggression is, whether it was genetic or um, experience combined with genetics, because then you can take a, you know, hundreds of dogs with different genetics and put them through the same experience and they're never going to do that. Right. Right. So, um, but it's just hard to say, and, you know, and it's not about really identifying the dog. It's, you know, talking about like, what, what can you do to help, you know, everybody in this country, there's, there's this industry, there's rescues and there's breeders and there's great breeders and there's nasty breeders who are keeping Mm -hmm. dogs in horrid conditions. And there's great rescue organizations that do a fabulous job and there's shady rescue organizations that don't. And it's on both sides of the coin. And what happens in this industry, in the, in the world of dog is that you have the people supporting breeders pointing fingers at rescues and rescues pointing fingers at breeders and saying, you're the problem. And that Mm -hmm. is crap. It's, it, it, is so disappointing to me that adults would behave in that way when there are great, uh, great and horrible experiences on both sides. And what we need is a way to make these individuals or these organizations accountable and a way to report incidents like this to each other so that the next person who's going to adopt a dog or purchase a dog as part of the same industry are able to be equipped like people can go and look look at reviews for, you know, like on Yelp or something like that. And there is a relatively new website, and I just interviewed the author, Kim Cavan, of, of a book called The Dog Merchants, and it's an incredible book. It's a very, one of the most important topics that I talk about on the show, and it's extremely well written. And I, I think anybody who is in this in this industry or wants to get a dog should read this book because it's so informative. And her point is that it's not the rescue organizations are not to blame. The breeders are not to blame. It's the individuals within, you know, as part of both sides of the group who aren't doing a good job and who aren't acting Mm -hmm. with integrity, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So one of the first things I told you was to go to dogmerchants.com. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we haven't identified the organization by name intentionally on this show. But what you can do if you haven't done it already is go and write a review of your experience and name the organization in the context of that website, because that's what it's built for. It's like a Yelp kind of for rescuers and breeders. Yes. Totally plan. I started to do so. It was a little bit difficult. It's, um, it's interesting to me how difficult it's been to kind of write about it or even talk about it after. Yeah. Uh, I guess being someone that's never had a fear of dogs or never had anything like that happen. Um, but I definitely plan on doing so. And, and the unfortunate part is that, you know, I thought it was a reputable agency, yeah. but obviously something, you know, something was not told to me or I, I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, I can't obviously put my finger on it. I can definitely say, though, and I, I um, I'm not afraid to... It has not turned me off of, of rescuing a dog. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that 
there's a dog out there for our family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we just learned that there's a different way for our family to go about it, and especially with young children. I'm so grateful that nothing ha- more happened to me, but that nothing happened to my family members yeah. um, or neighbors or anybody else for that matter, and that there's just a different way. There's a different process for us to go about it. And, and meeting the dog, I didn't realize until now, is um, crucial for me. Like, it's a very important, it might not be important for everybody, but um, I will I will definitely be in the situation where I, next time where I meet that dog and I have our family meet that dog. Because I know it's definitely not just about us. Like, that dog needs to be comfortable as well. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my points to the um, volunteer worker that I was speaking to. I said, you know, regardless of what my lack of trust or lack of comfort is at this point in time, if I get over that, that might be okay. But he now has something in him in him towards me. So this just isn't about me. This is about him as well. Um because I feel like, you know, I, I honestly, what I said to her was when she was like, well, you just need to deal with it and you need to trust him and bring him in. She told me to bring him in my home and let him walk around the house and just get used to being in the comforts of our home. And I was like, that's insane. I, I'm not going to do that. And I said, um, think about it this way. Like a, a person walks around the corner and you have no idea who this person is and punches you between the eyes and really hurts you, turns around, walks away turned around, comes back around that corner. Do you trust that person? And she didn't really have much to say about that because that's like, you know, it, it unfortunately just takes one foul swoop of, um, to take your trust away. Yeah. I also did ask her, and I thought this was really interesting. She talked to me about how much she volunteered with the dog and how much she loved him and how she felt as though he was her dog and, um, all she wants is what's best for him. And so I said to her after she went on for about 10 minutes about that, I said, well, then why isn't he your dog? And she paused and didn't really have an answer for me right away. Yeah. So I guess there are just some, unfortunately, the red flags are are up afterwards. And, you know, the fortunate part is that nobody did get hurt. And um, I hope this makes, you know, I hope this interview, if anybody out there is thinking about, you know, listening and thinking about rescuing a dog, to just look into it further and, and when somebody tells you you can't meet that dog, say, okay, well, I want to meet that dog because this dog's coming to my family. Um, and it's I, also, it's a also, hard way that that's important. It's also true on the breeding side of it as well, because I hear, you know, as many, um, you know, unfortunate stories of people who are getting dogs from breeders who are breeding aggressive dogs and then they Mm. have puppies that some of them end up at least with they have I mean you know you get your parents temperament to a degree you certainly get your parents genetics and so it's it's always about um, you know breeders or rescuers both equally go um, see where the dog is is living if possible and if if it is a shelter situation um Spend time, you know, spend multiple visits with with the dog, get to know them. Um, You know, you asked a ton of questions, but you didn't have that that face to face, you know, opportunity. And it's it's hard because sometimes that's not. You know, that's hard to do, like that's going to force you to 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 source locally because. Right. 
if somebody wants some breed of dog that where the and the closest breeder is in Illinois, then then what do you do? I mean, fly out and see where they are? Well, yeah, I mean, I would. You're talking about adding a family member for the next 15 or so years is probably worth going on site. And it's a definite red flag on the breeder end of it if you're like, well, I'd love to come and visit. And they're like, no, <laughs> we'll meet you in right. a parking lot or... You know, I'd love to meet the parents of, of the of the puppies, you know, at least the mom, because sometimes dad's not on site. Um, check the temperament and and, you know, all those kinds of things. And it and it's just we have to be informed and have a way to inform each other um, more importantly. And um, and I don't know, maybe they didn't. It's possible that they didn't see this behavior from him. It is. Yeah, no, I, I believe you know? that. Like, it definitely... Um, I, yeah, I, I believe that. I I believe that the volunteer worker potentially did not um, see that, but I don't believe that um, from the reaction of the the woman who helped run the organization, who actually took the dog out of the kill shelter. Um, I don't believe that she did not see that mm-hmm. aggressive behavior. Mm-hmm. And and I know that's just speculation, but I just um, that's my gut. That's that's where my gut is. Mm-hmm. What my gut feeling is at this point in time. Well, it it takes all kinds, unfortunately, and and yes. kind of the point is that on the breeder side and the rescue side, you have people who put other people in harm, or I mean, there is there's just all sorts of stuff going on. There's there's really wonderful um, people doing great work and people who are really knowingly not doing a great job and, and ultimately put others and the animals in, in dangerous situations. And, and, you know, we're in a situation in this country when millions of dogs every year get euthanized because they have nowhere to go. So it's, it's really like we need to be conscious shoppers, whether it's in adoption or purchasing a dog, it is an industry. It's, it is an industry just like any other. And and it's a power is in the consumer and where where we uh, was there an adoption fee for him? Um, yes, there. Um, it was not asked for before. It was asked for uh, it, during his transport. I received an email um, regarding the adoption fee. It was three hundred dollars. Okay, so you know <clears throat> it's an adoption, and there's still money going. It, it yeah. there, it's all part of the same industry, whether it's rescue or breeder. And that yep. that makes some people really mad, but it's it is true. It's the reality of it, and it's just like any other industry. And, and where the power is is where we put our money as consumers, and that we just That's stop it. supporting these individuals who aren't doing a good job, and they're not doing right by their, the you know the people that they're working with, and they're not doing right by the animals. Yeah, I yeah, it, you're making very good points. Making me see like a whole new side of this. Yeah, just making it more clear to me. And it's such Especially a bizarre, it is such a bizarre story. Like, this is not, it's not typically how, you know, it doesn't make sense. His aggression doesn't make sense to me. You know, there's a lot of ways that that aggression comes about and, and triggers that cause them. And, um, right. <clears throat> you know, it's a very, very exceptional experience that you had, unfortunately, and it is not what you should expect from a dog um right but you know you're not going to go the same route next time you know i think that's what i understand i mean i don't 
I don't blame the dog. Like, it's unfortunate that that happened and it, it scared me. And I'm, you know, like I said, I'm thankful that it was not a worse yeah. um, outcome. But I, I don't blame the dog. You no, know, he's just the a dog. The dog didn't choose no. to be in whatever life he was before he yeah. was, you know, um, surrendered. And, and he was not, he did not choose the path that, you know, and so, gosh, we just saw him and fell in love with him, his photos and his videos and thought, what a great way to give him a loving home and yeah. come live with us. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's unfortunate that he, that it didn't work out the way it did. And I just hope for his sake that, um, he gets the care that he needs and he gets the training that he needs so that he can be in someone's home eventually. Um, and like I said, I think that the, the one positive thing is that I have not, and, and no one in my family has, has turned their back to a future rescue of some sort. And in yeah. fact, we're, you know, it's almost like we feel a void, even though he wasn't a part of our family. Yeah. Um, we feel a void. Like we feel like we've been talking about getting a dog and having him and being so excited that now it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. we don't have our dog. Yeah. So, um, it will move forward with it. And, uh, we will, like I said, do it in the right way or what's right for our, I don't know what the right way is, but what's right for our family and how we feel, yeah. um, it works. Yeah. My first dog as an adult when I was 20 at the University of Vermont, who was my junior year, mm-hmm. was a was a quote unquote rescue dog, and he was amazing, amazing. One of right, the, you know. I mean, there's so many stories that you hear yeah. of amazing. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons that I was interested. That I I know numerous people that have rescued dogs, and um, and it turned out beautifully. And you know, it's I have never heard a story as I've gone through. Like I've never heard an experience yeah, like that. I haven't really either. I, I've, so, <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. um I'm glad that I learned a lesson. i I'm glad that I'm more aware of the whole process and what else needs to go into it and um God I so am appreciative of having a friend like you that I knew I could reach out to and that you were completely open armed and saying, Oh, I'm not gonna just help you with the, the happy part, I'm gonna help you with the scary part. So I, I so appreciate that. And so does my family because my family has known that I've been struggling with this. And so this is, as we called it, my therapy session. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the show and, and, uh, you know, sharing the story and, and I know it was not easy to kind of relive that. Um, and I definitely want to, I mean, it'd be fun to keep in touch anyway, but, um, but I definitely, you know, am available to support you if you have questions moving forward as you guys look at other other opportunities to add a four-legged family member. Definitely stay mm, in touch. Thank you. And I will certainly be in touch. Good. And maybe when you're here, I can see you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. All right. That'd well, be great. we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to switch gears a bit and talk with one of our show partners, Farm Dog Naturals, about their wonderful products that we love in our home. Thank you so much, Lucinda, for your time. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Over little dog cause the big dog's moving in. She's changed the lock on our front door and my door key don't fit no more. So get it on over, move it on over, scoot it on over, move it on over, move over skinny dog cause the fat dog's moving in. 
The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to New Pro Supplements, we cover the world of animals. This week, September 25th, it's an encore presentation. Join us to hear animal communicator, intuitive, medium, and Reiki master Darcy Pariso and Martha talk to the animals. Great calls and information for all. Plus, hear what Bamboo Elephant told Darcy about her situation, how she feels about it, and what you can do to help. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) This is Julie Forbes. I'm excited to tell you about Farm Dog Naturals, a company that handcrafts herbal remedies for the all-natural dog. Quality and integrity are must-haves for anything that I recommend. Certified eco-friendly and cruelty-free, their products address issues like stress and anxiety, itching, hot spots, crusty noses, as well as pet urine, stains, and odor. Farm Dog Naturals is guaranteed, and I'm so happy with the results I'm seeing. Shipping is available worldwide from their website, farmdognaturals.com, or you can ask for them at a retailer near you. Again, that's farmdognaturals.com. Ready to shake things up? Try Alternative Talk 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Oh, welcome back to the dog show with Julie Forbes. And we're back with Rita Hogan from Farm Dog Naturals. Can you believe it has been six months? No. Since I, I totally cannot believe that. Yeah. That is six months. Crazy. And we met at the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show. Our booths were next to each other, and that was how I was um, became aware of your products. And we've had the opportunity to use them, you know, in the home um, a ton. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've used, I think, all of them, right? All of them, yes. Um, so there's the cleaner, the uh, calming aromatherapy oil, and then the two salves. And... Uh, most, the the kind of biggest, I mean, we use the cleaner all the time and love it, but the more sort of dramatic experience was, and I sent you the photos, Yeah. Um, 
of Lois, um, she gets mixed up with our other older female dogs. Sometimes they kind of have um, bitch fights sometimes, Words. you know. Yeah. And uh, and neither of them are, are interested in backing down. And so she ended up with a laceration under her eye. And I used Restore. And just like you told, you know, you just keep it packed with it. Don't let it scab over and close up because that's where the infection can fester. Yeah. So I did hot compresses, um, you know, once or twice a day to kind of clear it out and clean it. And then just gooped it on again, you know, filled up the wound and um, and it healed beautifully. Yeah, it beautifully, really did. It beautifully. looked pretty gnarly. Yeah, it was. I mean, we were... You know, we called the vet and we were like, you know, is, is this going to need stitches or is this something that we can treat at home? And and, you know, fortunately, we were correct that it was not something that needed vet care and that we were able to, you know, to treat it. But it was it was a good one. It wasn't just a little nick. No, it, it was certainly a good wasn't. One. It looked it looked sort of deep and it looked I mean, it's right near her eye. And- yeah. And now she's just got this little, you know, this just, it's totally healed. It's just, uh, we need to switch over to salvation, salvation now to help that hair grow back. It'll hair, grow the hair right yeah. back. So so the salves are really, um, you know, farmdognaturals.com is their website. You can order their products from wherever you live. And they're awesome. And we just, we have them on hand all the time. Dog gets any sort of skin, anything. Well, we use it on ourselves too. Yeah. <laughs> um, Skin irritation or dryness or cut or hot spot or anything like that. And it's just, oh, grab it, put it on there regularly and watch it clear up. Yeah, it's they're they're really our core products. So and they're an A B product. So they work together um yeah. and they also work separately. So how does um how is it work like so what is it doing? Why are they so good? I mean, I know you're not going to give your, your, you know, but it's like, so it's a combination of like the the formulation, obviously, because mm-hmm. it has herbs. Certain herbs work better together mm-hmm. um, than apart. And um, and all herbs have synergy and as well as oils and fixed oils like, um, you know, apricot kernel oil and, you know, people love coconut oil. But we use different kinds of oils like karanja oil and Tamanu oil. Tamanu oil is an amazing oil that heals staph. It can heal MSRA, but it is one of the best cell regenerating oils mm. on the planet. So, you know, the Restore has that oil in it. And then we also um, infuse them with herbs as they're, as we're producing them. Okay. And we grow those herbs locally in Olympia. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just... I. I love it when things work so well. Yeah, and I'm really glad that you had such success with it. Yeah. Because that's what we want. We want people to use them together. Yeah. And the products are, your line is such a great little line of useful products that yeah. I've, we've, we've reached for them on so many different occasions just day in and day out. And that's what they're there for. They're for everyday living with dogs, making people have an easier, more sustainable a successful experience with their dogs instead of going to the vet for everything. Right. Which leads to antibiotics and steroids, and that leads to a sick dog. Yeah. So if you can keep out of the keep them out of the vet's office for those little things. Yeah. Um, you know, and the relax works really well for dogs that are hyped up or, you know, being a dog trainer, training dogs, get them to pay attention. 
so that they can retrain that behavior. Mm-hmm. So people like that product as well. Yeah. And then the cleaner is, uh, you said, is ionic? It's uh, salt-based. Salt-based. Yeah. It's or- organic mineral salts mm-hmm. as and lavender to... essential oil. As yeah. opposed to um, a lot of cleaners are enzymatic. So am I right in saying it's ionic? No. I thought you said it was an um, ionic. Oh, I, okay. I, I know what you're saying. You're saying it's ionic as in uh, the like positive and negative ions. Yes. Yes. What did yes. you think I said? Um, I just misunderstood you. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> ironic. Um, yeah. Sorry. An ironic cleaner. Sorry. I was like, oh, what is she talking about? I was like, am I remembering that from somewhere? Am I making that up? Sorry. I was just like, what is she talking about? Um, uh, now I no, I told it. Yes, it uh, it has uh, negative ions. Okay. That completely because smells and different kinds of odors put off positive ions, uh-huh. and it has negative ions, so they're negatively charged, so they cancel each other out. Thank you. That's why it doesn't add odor and to the to the problem. It just subtracts it. It just gets rid of the odor on contact. Speaking of adding odor to the problem, not something related to your line at all, these scented poop bags is the... Unneeded. <laughs> worst idea for me personally. My I It's like, ugh, that, I'm super smell sensitive, mm-hmm. so I'm like... That doesn't smell good, and then you add poop to it, and then it really doesn't smell. It smells worse now. Totally smells worse. I'd rather smell straight-up poop than poop with a scent over it. Yeah, like vanilla poop. Yeah. Yeah, it's disgusting. Not good. No. Uh, But that's not related. You guys don't offer ionic poop bags. No, we do not (laughs) offer ionic poop bags. That, though, would be different because you're not masking. Yes. Yeah. That would, hey. Hey, there's, we should. A million dollar idea yeah, right there. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll get it right on that. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so the cleaner just has this really nice, it smells clean. Like it has this like clear smell. Like it is actually like cutting through the other odor. Mm-hmm. It's really pleasant. I am a super, I mean, you can ask Darcy. I'm like, she's like, she jokes. She's like, you're like a dog. Because if I smell something, I'll be like, <laughs> you know, and like start sniffing. And I'll be like, what, do you have perfume on? You know, like. And uh, I dig it. So it's awesome. So what are you guys up to now? Anything in the last couple minutes that we have and checking back in with you? Um, Or just keep on growing, growing, growing and Mm -hmm. plugging along, um, doing a lot of good work as far as, you know, spreading herbalness to the dog world. Um, uh, One thing, speaking of the cleaner, one thing we did find out, though, is that the cleaner removes skunk odor in 15 minutes. Really? Yes. Which wow. I did not know this. Oh. So, um, and I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but yes, we have found from many of a skunk sprayed dog that it literally takes 15 to 20 minutes to completely disappear. Wow. So. That's something. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was new because we just recently found that out. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good to know. Well, farmdognaturals.com is their website. There's a link to them from our homepage as well, which, of course, is dogradioshow.com. Um, did a, had our first interview back in March where we talked more in-depth about all of the products and kind of went into a little more detail. So if you're interested in learning more about uh, all of Farm Dog Naturals products, you can always go back into our archives and just go back to the March shows on our website, and you'll see... We're do, we did a uh, um, Seattle Kennel Club dog show recap and had a fun show and talked about uh, all your all your various products. 
farmdognaturals.com. We have been using them like crazy in our house, and I love them so much. Thank you so much for making them and for being here today. And we'll be back next Wednesday with another live show. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. been listening to the dog show with julie forbes wednesday afternoons at two on alternative talk 11 50 a.m never miss another episode listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on itunes or soundcloud